Uh, we're going to continue. Woo, boy, time is getting away from us this morning. Um, we're going to continue uh, in our series today, looking at the life of David. Um, it's funny because God's kind of changed this message in my heart about three or four times in the last 24 hours. Um, but we're going to, I think we got a good plan together for today. I think we're going to be moving in sync. Um, you know, as, as, a, as a pastor, it's always, it's always not scary, but it's always interesting when God begins to lay different things on your heart because that's usually because he's wanting to do very specific things in the service. And I believe that today is going to be one of those days. Um, looking at the life of David over the last few weeks, and there's so many things that you can look at in this guy's life. He is a key figure in Scripture. Nobody in the Bible is mentioned more times than David except for Jesus. And we believe that that's significant, and we believe that it's there for a reason, and that we should be looking at his life, because there's a lot of examples, there's a lot of lessons to be learned there, and there's a lot of principles to be applied. You know, and when you look at the life of David, like there's a lot of flash and there's a lot of bling in David's life. Because he was, he's a dynamic person. And when you think of David, most people think of his battle with Goliath or a lot of the military battles that he was involved in. And, and if, if he was going to fail, he fell big. And, you know, he committed adultery and murder in one fell swoop, you know. Um, he's just full of flash and full of bling and full of big things. But I think that there's some subtle storylines in the life of David that if we pay attention to, through the, like the consistency of his life, through the totality of his life, we'll see a couple of things play out. Because the flash and the, and, and the bling and all of that look awesome, but none of the great things that David did would have been possible if first David did not have a heart to please God. He is the only person in Scripture, only person in Scripture that is called flat out a man after God's own heart. And the other thing that you see in David's life is not just his heart, but the second thing is made possible because of David's heart, and that's process. It's process. The ability to go through a process of development, a process of challenge, and a process of change. David was always humble in whatever role that he served in because he was committed to God in his heart, and it made him available for the process that God wanted to walk him through in his life so that he could be the king that God called him to be. Everybody say process. Your whole life is about process, guys. My whole life is about process. It's about getting where God wants us to be one step at a time. This whole journey with, with God, our relationship with God, this journey through life, is, is a one-step-at-a-time journey. A one-step-at-a-time journey. A one-step-at-a-time process and each step leads to the next each step leads to the next each step that we're in and we're all in different phases and different seasons of life and different areas of preparation in our life and God is working and dealing on us with a lot of different things there's a whole lot of different scenarios represented in this room but one thing that we've got in common is that God is walking each and every one of us through a step-by-step -step process to become the picture of who he envisioned us to be to step into the calling that he's put on our lives. It's all about process. And every step that we take prepares us for the steps to come. You see what I'm saying? Every step that we take prepares us for the next one. And so as we look at 
First Samuel chapter 17, we're going to be looking at it today. As we look at this, I want us to look at this through the lens of process, from the perspective of process, because there's more happening in this story than just David's battle with Goliath. We're going to read through that, but there's a whole lot. There's just, you could study this chapter of the Bible, I think, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and we could do a multi-month series just on this chapter because there's so much in it, but we're going to look at it today from the perspective of process. 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. Now, a lot has happened in the life of David. He's been anointed king over Israel by Samuel. And then Saul has gone on and and continued to lead, but his time clock is ticking because God said, you're not going to be king for much longer. I'm raising up somebody else who's a man after my own heart, and that's David. But David disappears for a little while after being anointed by Samuel, and he goes back out to tending sheep. But some storylines begin to develop. Um, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demim. That's one of those words you got to pronounce carefully as a pastor, or you end up on YouTube. And I don't want to be on YouTube um, between Soko and um, Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. I brought some pictures to show you what this would look like. Um, This is kind of a rough drawing of what this would have looked like. You've got hills and mountains on one side and you've got hills and mountains on the other side and then you've got the Philistine camp. And then you've got the Israelite camp, which would be in blue on this map. And then the valley in between them, where the battle was supposed to take place. Here's a modern-day picture of what this would look like in the valley. So you would have the Philistines approximately camped on this side. You would have the Israelites approximately camped on this side with a creek in the middle, and you got the valley. Israelites on one side, Philistines on the other, a valley in the middle. In the process of development in our lives, guys, listen, the hilltops and the mountains are awesome. They're great. This is where we can celebrate. This is where we can see a great distance. This is where God can give us perspective. But the process, the refining, the battle happens in the valley. Okay? I guess one thing to be up here and say, God, I love you, and he's speaking to you, and he's giving you the vision, and he's giving you a glimpse of your calling, and he's giving you the next step for what he's called you to do, and that's great because he'll speak to you on the mountain, and he'll give you the vision, and you'll get excited on the mountain. God will give you the perspective and these mountaintop experiences with him, and then he'll say, okay, now that I've shown you, now that I've given you a taste, now that you know the direction that we're heading, it's time to go that way. And between every mountain, there's going to be a valley. And you got to step out. This is not fun. Can we just be honest this morning? This is not fun. Because it's in the valley where you begin to face the enemy. 
Sometimes the enemy looks like a great big giant. And a lot of times the enemy looks like yourself. Down in the valley. I would much rather stay up here. Ooh, praise God. Happy times. It hurts to be in the valley sometimes. Because that's where God prunes. That's where God prepares. That's where God is doing what needs to be done in your life to get you to the place that he's called you to be. If the work happens in the valley. There's always a challenge in the valley. There's always a challenge in the valley. Because this is the place where God is going to refine us and prepare us for what we're walking into. You can't have the next mountaintop if you don't go through the valley. Now, I know I'm speaking a little churchy right now, but I want you to hear me. This is where the process is. This is where the development is. This is where God gives you resistance and opposition and life happens and you find out what you're made out of. This is where things don't always go your way. This is where the money runs out before the month does. This is where you sit here and you begin to wonder. You begin to wonder. You begin to wonder. I just, I just, I thought I heard from God. I thought I heard from God. I thought he spoke to me. And, and, and the doubt starts to come in and you have to learn how to take control of your mind and push it down and fall back on what you know God spoke to you on the mountain. Because when God speaks it, it doesn't change. Situations will change. Circumstances will change. Your bank account will change. Your health will change. Your relationships will change. But God's word will never change. When he speaks it, it is so. But in the valley, you get hit with all of these things that make you wonder. And make you have to fall back on the sure foundation of what God said. It's in the valley that you face the resistance. It's in the valley that you have to start doing the reps. Doing the reps. One at a time with the resistance that's there. With the opposition that's there. So that you can be shaped and formed into who God has called you to be. James says it like this. James chapter 1 says it like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds. That doesn't make sense to me. I mean, have you ever just had a day from hell and went home and said, Woo, God, thank you. I'm so happy that my day sucked today. I'm so glad that my day didn't go the way I wanted it to. I'm so glad my kids have lost their God-blessed mind and are still in every ounce of peace. I'm so glad that these people are gossiping about me and spreading all kinds of junk about I'm so glad... I thank you, thank you, thank you that I've got no rest, that I'm exhausted, that all hell's breaking loose in my life. Thank you so much for these trials, God. Anybody ever done that? Whoo, son, that's some grown-up stuff right there. That is some grown-up stuff because it's hard to do. Here's why we do this, though. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Whew, that's a grown-up block of Scripture right there. Because when you're down in that valley and you're getting hit with opposition, that's where it's happening. That's where you're growing. That's where God's speaking. 
That's where God is, is just coming in and, and trimming out the little stuff that doesn't need to be there. That's where he's building you up for the next season of life. The valley's not fun to go through, guys. I know that. But listen to me. You can't carry the weight of who God has called you to be if you don't do the reps in the valley today. You're not going to be strong enough to step into that calling. You're not going to be strong enough to carry that anointing. You're not going to be strong enough to carry what's ahead of you and be who God has called you to be if you don't allow him to work in you and refine you and purge you and just like gold in a fire, pull out all the junk so that you're left pure and ready and strong to step into the next season. This stuff doesn't happen because God doesn't like you. God uses the stuff that happens to prepare you to become who he's called you to be. <coughs> I praise God for the valleys. It's not fun, but it's necessary. It's not fun, but it's necessary. You know, when you... <laughs> It's like when you, when you get into the valley seasons and, and you start facing opposition, it never looks like a cute little kitten. Like, it never looks like this. You know, walk through, I got some awes, that's great. You never walk through and you see opposition and it's like, meow, meow, meow. Never looks like that. It looks like this. Every time. Does it not? It looks like this. And it never happens at, an, at a convenient point in your life. You know what I mean? There's always 18 other things going on. And then life's going to fly by with a 747 and just dump a whole new load on you that you're going to have to deal with. This is how it works. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, God said in his word that he would never give you more than you could bear. He would never give you more than he, you can carry. And I can tell you right now, that is a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. What the Bible does say is that you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear. Okay? But I can guarantee you this. Life and sometimes God have a way of pouring on way more than you can carry in your own strength to remind you that you can't do it in your strength. You have to rely on the strength and the power of God. That's why he says when we're weak, he is strong. And he'll overload you so that you have to turn back and say, God, you're my source. I can't do this without you. I can't do this without you. Ever been through one of those seasons where you just tried to do stuff on your own? For a little while, maybe a little bit too long, and you found out in a hurry that weight's way too much for you to carry by yourself. Oh, I've been there, done that. Been there, done that. Don't want anything to do with that. So these op the opposition and the obstacles looks like this intimidating lion, not a cute little kitten. And he shows up in this valley in the story that we're reading in the form of this great big giant called Goliath. 1 Samuel 17, verses 4 through 11. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. I know that sounds fancy. You might not have heard this before. Six cubits in a span means that he was roughly, because we don't know for sure, he was roughly somewhere between nine, nine and a half feet tall to 12 feet tall. That's a big dude. That's an intimidating force. That's not a kitten. That's a lion out on the battlefield. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor and bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. 
that's roughly about 125 pounds, give or take, of weight. What does that mean? Dude was strong. That's what it means. You want armor to be light and effective so you can move around. So light and effective armor for this guy was 125 pounds. It's amazing. And a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's give or take 15, 20 pounds, something like that. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. And if I overcome him and kill him, you'll become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites, check this out, were dismayed and terrified. Have you ever had some stuff happen in your life that left you feeling a little dismayed and terrified? You're way out of your comfort zone, way out in no man's land. Way out in the middle of left field facing something you've never faced before in your life. And it's overwhelming. This is where these guys were. 1 Samuel 17 verse 16 says this. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. For 40 days, this guy came out, took his stand, and mocked the armies of Israel. For 40 days, twice a day. That's 80 times. That's a little repetitive. That's a lot of smack talk. I mean, he'd come out and throw out mama jokes. That's just crazy. Your mama's so fat, she'd go to the beach and sell shade. You know, he'd just come out and, and throw stuff out there. I know y'all don't know nothing about mama jokes. But he would get out there. Some of y'all are like, I can't laugh about that because he just insulted mama. No, it's somebody else's mom. We're not talking about our moms. Somebody else's mom. Now, he would get out there and insult them and bark and, and intimidate them and throw out all these statements. And it said that they were dismayed and terrified. Dismayed and terrified. They were lined up for this battle, but nobody was stepping up to fight. One guy, one giant, one obstacle in the valley... Put the whole army to a stop. And he came out time and time again in a cycle of intimidation to keep them from moving forward. You ever been in a season of growth where God will put you down in a valley? And here comes that one thing again. That one thing. And you've lined up for battle time and time again. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You've lined up for battle time and time again. And ready to engage and overcome that opposition, that giant. And you've looked it square in the eyes. And every time. Every time you've backed down because it proved to be too strong and it proved to be too intimidating. And you gave it effort, but it came up again. 
this was going to be the time that I finally defeated lust in my life and I broke my addiction to porn. I thought that this was going to be the time that I finally got control of my tongue and was able to stop the negativity and the frustration from flying out. I thought this was going to be the season where I could finally take control of my mind and let it submit itself to the Word of God and submit itself under the authority of Jesus. But I I thought this was going to be the time. I thought this was going to be the season where I would finally see peace in my family and all hell begins to break loose again. Have you ever had an obstacle or opposition that you faced and you lined up and you were ready to do battle time and time and time again, but it won't go away. It's always there. It stands and it mocks. It stands and it frustrates. And it stands between you and the victory that God wants you to have in your life. Have you ever been there? I know I have. I know I have. He barks loud. And you begin to feel like something's wrong with you. And in the valley, facing this opposition, you begin to get frustrated. You begin to get frustrated. Well, I thought, I thought I had it. But it's back again. Now, the enemy's got a way of seeing he can't win on one front with you. And he'll go around and take a different angle to try to get an inroad into your life. And when he figures out he can't hit you this way, he'll move around and position himself to try to hit you from this way. To frustrate you and to get you discouraged. And if he can't get you to doubt what God said to you, maybe he can get you to doubt yourself and your ability to be, you see where I'm going with this? Different fronts, different attacks. The same goal, though, is to get you stuck in the valley so that you can't move forward. And these things can be incredibly intimidating. Incredibly intimidating at times. I'm just going to... Say it like it is. Because this is where we're growing. This is where God is preparing us for the next season of our lives in this valley. Still talking about valleys this morning. May not get past this. May not get past this today. Moving and working in us to prepare us. To prepare us. Listen, you might be frustrated this morning. You might be here today and you might feel like a failure spiritually. I want to encourage you today. Listen, stay in the process. Stay in that valley. You look that issue and you look that obstacle. You look that situation. You look that circumstance dead in the eyes. And you remember what God spoke to you on the mountain. And you don't give an inch. You don't give an inch. This is only this morning, guys. There's some people going through this stuff today, I think. Um, you don't give an inch. The Bible says that we don't fight for victory. The Bible says that we fight with what? With victory, right? The Bible says that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The Bible says 
that whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Say it again. Free indeed. One more time. Say it. Free indeed. You are free indeed. So I don't want you to let that giant intimidate you. I don't want to let the opposition imitate me or intimidate me. Don't let that stuff push you back or keep you at home. You remember what God spoke to you. The God that rescued you and delivered you before is the God that can drop every opposition and challenge that's ahead of us. The God that moved in your life before is the same God that can move in your life again. Don't get frustrated in the process of growth or feel like you don't have what it takes. The Bible says that those that are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up with power. Rise up with the Spirit of God. Rise up and be who God has called you to be. Don't let the giants or the opposition of life intimidate you for one more moment. Amen? Don't let it intimidate you. God is in a process of growing. God is in a process of stretching. God is in a process of using those things that we see as opposition to prepare us. You know, we can either live our lives intimidated and stuck, or we can step out onto the field of battle. You can either live your life intimidated and stuck, or you can step out onto the field of battle. This, this was the delineating line. This right here, this is the the deciding line between David and the army of Israel. They were stuck and they were intimidated. David stepped out onto the field of battle. He stepped out onto the field of battle. Now I want to skip ahead just a little bit. I feel like we're running out of time. Is this blessing you this morning? Yeah. Don't, be incur- don't be discouraged. Don't be intimidated. I want to skip in my notes, media team. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. David, before he stepped out onto the field of battle, he was asking these people who were there some questions. and He asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David had a different perspective on this. David had a different perspective on this. How we see our problems is determined by how close we are to God. David immediately saw this as a spiritual issue. The armies of Israel, they saw this as like a physical confrontation, and they saw the size of the giant, they saw the size of the issue, and they said, there is no way we're going to be able to, there's no way any one of us can take out him. And David said, That joker out there thinks that he can stand and defy the armies of the living God. And he called him uncircumcised. David immediately saw the fact that Goliath was not under the covenant that God had with the people of Israel. Because circumcision was a sign of the covenant. And he says, you're not coming with God. I'm going to go out there and fight with God. There's no way you can overcome me. It's amazing when your perspective changes and you see things through the the lens of biblical perspective how it changes how you view what's happening in your life. 
like the old man and his wife that went to the car wash and they sat in the car and they went through the car wash and all the spending things did all that they were going to do and got the car clean and they pulled around to the front and all the people came out with the towels and they wiped off the car and they wiped off the windshield to get everything clean and sprayed the, the Windex on the windshield and went to wiping it to get it clean and the guy said, hey, you missed a spot. And so the car wash guy said, okay. So we went back and sprayed the windshield again, cleaned the windshield again. I said, okay, we got it. And the guy said, no. Just a spot. It's still there. My windshield's still dirty. I said, okay. I'll do it again. Went to wiping on the windshield, getting it all clean. Looked spotless. He looked at the guy and he said, all right, we got it now. And the old man said, no. This is three times now and you can't get my windshield clean. I want to see a manager. What's the deal? There's dirt on my windshield. Then his wife reached over and said, hold on a second, honey. Took off his glasses and wiped them off. Put them back on his head. My windshield's clean, just like that. A lot of times, the lens in which we see things affects, it affects the perspective from which we see it. Approaching things from a spiritual perspective is a game changer. It's a game changer. Because then you ask yourself questions that, that don't look like this. They don't look like, why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Instead, from a a spiritual perspective, you begin to ask yourself questions like this. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? Lord, what is it that you're trying to do in my life in this valley, in this time of challenge? What is it that you want to refine in me? Lord, whatever you want to do, I'll submit it to you. Lord, whatever you want to have, I'll give it to you. Lord, whatever you're speaking, whatever you want, it's yours because I want to go through this to become the better picture of who you called me to be. When you get a perspective like that, it changes everything. Now James 1 becomes possible in your life and you begin to see that there's something on the other side of it. It's not just about what's happening to you today. It's about what God is preparing you for tomorrow. Then the situations and the circumstances, they lose all their punch. They lose that bite. Because you know in the end, the giant's going to fall. Because we serve a God that drops giants every day. You know that the situation can change because we serve a God that can change your whole life on a spoken word. I've seen him do it time after time after time. You know? It changes everything. So... 1 Samuel 17, 48. David's out there getting ready to fight Goliath. The Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. That had to be awesome to watch. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran over, stood over him, took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from its sheath, and he killed him. He cut off his head with the sword. That's just straight gangster. That joker stood in the field took down Goliath with sling and a stone, and then he walked over 
and did just what he said he would do because David said, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin and all your fancy little stuff and you're barking loud and you look like a big situation. You look like a big obstacle. But he said, I come against you in the name of the Lord. And he said, the Lord God will give me the victory today. And he walked out there. David actually said, I'm going to drop you and then I'm going to cut your head off with your own sword, Joker. And he went out there and he did it. That's amazing to me. When David was in the fight, he didn't have a sword. The sword came in the middle of the battle. Do you hear me? The sword came in the middle of the opposition. See, some of you are frozen because you don't see how God's going to work it out. And you don't see how God's going to connect the dots. And you don't see how God can work deliverance in the situation that you're in or the circumstances. I'm here to encourage you to step out onto the battlefield, to engage the enemy. Because sometimes the sword that you need comes in the middle of the battle. And God will use the very thing that was intended to kill you to equip you to defeat your enemies. Is anybody feeling this today? We serve an awesome God who can move mountains, who can do the impossible. David defeats Goliath. And I always wondered why he did this. 1 Samuel 17, 54. <laughs> David took the Philistine's head and he brought it to Jerusalem. And he put the Philistine's weapons in his own tent. And I always thought, why would he do that? I guess he wanted a trophy case of some sort. Now he sent the head to Jerusalem so that the people of Israel would know that the God that they serve can do anything, overcome any obstacle, drop any opposition that stands. He put it in Jerusalem so that they could know that God is still the God that can do the impossible. And he's still faithful to those who serve him. And then he took the weapons and he put them in his tent. And I don't think personally, I'm taking a little poetic license, but me personally, based on David's heart and his track record, I don't think David was about trophies. I don't think David put that stuff in his tent to have a trophy. I think David put that in his tent so that he could have a reminder of the faithfulness of God. So that in the future valleys to come, he can look back and see the faithfulness of God on that day. And know that the same God that delivered him that day, the same God that delivered him, like you said, from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, the same God that delivered him from the giant, is the same God that's going before him to prepare the way because David was going to face a whole lot of the obstacles. He was going to face a lot of opposition because when you have a great calling, there's great opposition. When you've got a dream in your heart that God's put there, the opposition is going to come. But David kept that as a reminder of the faithfulness of God. And I want to remind you today, church, of the faithfulness of God because he's still the God that delivered you from the lion. He's still the God that delivered you from the bear. He's still the God that can drop every giant that you face in your life, not just today, but in the future. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he's madly and passionately in love with you. He hasn't called you to let you fail. He hasn't called you to let you burn out. He hasn't called you to let you fizz out and become some kind of spectacle or mockery. He 
has called you by his name to accomplish everything that he's put in your heart to do. Don't let opposition frustrate you. Don't let circumstances beat you down. Don't let the enemy intimidate you. Rise up and be the person that God has called you to be because he will give you the victory if you'll step out into the battle. Amen? Amen, amen. Everybody stand to your feet as we close in prayer this morning.